0: It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show. Kyle, we have like reached the midway point of the college season. It's creeping up in the NFL regular season. And um, that makes me sad. Welcome. I'm just a little confused where the time is going. You know, it's like, it's,
1: and we talk about how this goes pretty quick every year. But this year has literally been a blink and you've missed half the season type affair. Yeah,
0: there's no question about it. And um, as much as the season has played out, I feel like we have a lot to learn still, right? Wisconsin goes down to Illinois. Uh, You know, it's, it's just every week, right? Last week was Georgia against South Carolina, especially the college side where we're still sorting things out. The NFL is really interesting in terms of you don't feel like anyone's untouchable. And so it makes for some fun football the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, there's, I think there's very different dynamics between the two sides of the football world right now where, like, the college side is weird because Ohio State is the team now that feels like they're mm-hmm. just genuinely untouchable. I can't believe I flirted with taking Northwestern to backdoor cover that Friday night game because Ohio State blew the doors off of them. And you listen to Fat Pat Fitzgerald talk after the game. And Joe, he was he was like, Yeah, second quarter's their MO. They ran all the exact same plays we expected they did. We called the right play calls to avoid it, and they still just gouged us. Yeah. And what what are what are you supposed to do? You you can't do anything because their talent just presents so many mismatches that there's only a very select handful of teams in the country that can handle the firepower that Ohio state has.
0: Well, and obviously the way that they're continuing to steamroll everyone in Wisconsin's loss to Illinois, it cha- changed the dynamics of this Saturday when those two teams square off. And it's definitely, a you know, it's certainly a very challenging game from Ohio state, but maybe a game that I thought could be competitive. Uh, I don't know. I think Ohio state's uh, going to take care of their business. All right. Here's a question for you. Have you seen yeah.
1: the line for that game?
0: No, I haven't.
1: What would you set the line for this game? at?
0: Where's it at? Do you know?
1: No, I have no idea. But that's just like if you were setting the odds on a line for this game, I've got a number in mind, but I'd love to hear what you think.
0: Um, 18 and a half.
1: Okay. See, I was going to say like 23 and a half.
0: And we're we're thinking the same thing. We're thinking three touchdowns.
1: Yeah, it's it's a 3-3-4 score game.
0: 23 and a half if it's at Ohio State, 18 and a half if it's at Wisconsin.
1: But it's in Columbus.
0: It's a 23-and-a-half. A oh, yeet. All right. I like it. Uh, I think the biggest game in football yesterday that I watched was Dallas and Philadelphia. Kyle, this was a defining game in the NFC East. I know I mean, it's still week seven, but you know, you had two, three, and three teams, both coming off losses. Kind of, you know, everyone was on the ledge a little bit with especially Dallas last week, and they play, and you know, they Dallas dominates this football game. Wins 37-10. to 10. Uh, Philly's defense is really bad and it's disappointing because Jim Schwartz is so married to the idea of being plus one in the box. He's he is hanging his secondary out to dry. A lot of cover one, a lot of cover zero, a lot of man coverage and man, they don't got the dudes to do it. They don't have the guys to be able to, to carry guy routes into space alone. And they're getting torched by play action. They're getting torched by vertical routes and double moves. And Jim Schwartz not doing a thing about it, man. And I know that they're banged up, right? Like, they don't have Malik Jackson. They don't have Tim Jernigan. They cut Zach Brown last week. Nigel Bradham's not in the lineup. Um, You know, this is the dynamics of this team is a little different. You know, obviously, some of the cornerbacks are in and out in terms of injuries. They don't quite have their full arsenal of players. But they're heading into the bye week. They play Buffalo on Sunday. And then they're going into the bye week. And um, I just feel like this is a team that you and I thought was a Super Bowl team going into this year. But yep. defensively, they're just letting us down. And then, you know, offensively, Carson's playing really well at times, but, you know, Miles Sanders has been super erratic with the way he carries the football. And, you know, like they're, they really need Deshaun Jackson in this offense to, to give them the spacing they're looking for. And Nelson Aguilar keeps, I mean, just between drops and then just not even going for that ball last night, man. Like there's a lot of questions with this Philadelphia team. And, um, You know, they're going to have to find answers quick. Now, I guess the reality is they're a game out of first place in their division. All that stuff. They play again. It's all right there in front of them. But there's a lot of issues. Yeah.
1: So I I think the biggest thing, uh, did you see the report that they were of what their offer was in the Jalen Ramsey market?
0: A one, a two, and a four? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't think Philly could have afforded to do anything more than that, to be honest with you. And like the one and the two can't afford to be in the same year because you just went through a laundry list of issues with this team at the skill players and, a, and outside, those problems aren't going away.
0: Kyle, I we have like, legit breaking. Hold on, we have legit breaking news in this podcast. Oh no! A well, team has fair. traded a first round pick, Kyle. It's no. a for
1: OJ Howard?
0: No, it's a team that traded a former first round pick. The Texans have traded for Raiders first round cornerback Gary and Conley in exchange for a third-round pick. Holy shit. Every single team in the league
1: should have been on that deal.
0: A three for Gary and Conley. Did Oakland get trounced by Green Bay yesterday and say, that's it, we're not good enough this year?
1: Well, listen, like Conley apparently was on the rocks with Gruden last year midseason, or was at least in the doghouse. And then, you know, he seemed to have... A- And then they give up, what was it, 48 points yesterday. Aaron Rodgers threw for five touchdowns and ran for a sixth. Thanks a lot. Went against him in fantasy football this weekend. And, um. Gary. It's really a defensive depth chart. How many players right now do you think are viable long-term pieces? For the Raiders? Yes. How many how many players on the Raiders defensive depth chart can you look at and say, yeah, that guy's going to be starting here two two three years from now?
0: Uh, first of all, let me say any any uh, audio differences today. Kyle is uh, dealing with some personal matters today and it's putting him remotely, and so apologize for any uh, any lack of audio quality today on the podcast. Just
1: throw me right under the bus. That's fine. It's cool.
0: No, listen, man. There was a lot. Of, there was some blurbs in and out on that last <laughs> last segment my, there. So
1: my question, my question.
0: Yeah, I got your question. If I pulled look, up the Raiders' depth chart. Long-term answers here. Uh, yeah. Mo Hurst. I mean, LaMarcus Joyner, hopefully they just paid him a decent contract. That might be it. I mean, Trayvon Mullen's a the guy they just drafted. You like to think he can help. Max Crosby has a couple sacks. Cleveland Farrell has three pressures on the year, man. Yikes. Yeah, it's not great.
1: This is not great. Carry on, supposed to be one of those guys. Yeah. yeah, You just traded him for a three.
0: Right, and he played well last year.
1: I don't get it.
0: These big ego coaches, man, whether it's Ben Gase or not Gruden, you know, like, you, you can't just keep... You can't just keep, like, just getting rid of guys because they rub you the wrong way. Like, I get it to an extent. Right? You have to have the right mix of players in your locker room. But... So many times I feel like it's the coach.
1: Yeah, and this isn't even like an economics decision. Like People have criticized the Dolphins for trading Tunsil and Fitzpatrick, but the return on investment of both those guys was at least equal, if not better value, than what they spent to get the players. This is a two-round drop-off for a really
0: good starting corner with
1: a lot of potential.
0: Uh, Benjamin Albright is reporting that the Raiders aren't done. Look for them to be on the acquiring side. So there's there's some activity that's going to be happening here. Um Houston's taken this this Rams approach in a way, right? With uh just really trading all of their draft picks for players, right? I mean th- this is this is very much what we've seen the Rams do and now we're seeing it with the Texans between the Tunsil trade, uh this trade, the Duke Johnson trade. Um there's been a lot of movement for for the Texans and giving up capital and trying to take advantage of what I'm guessing is a window that they believe is open with Deshaun Watson on a rookie deal before, you know, they pay him mega bucks and um, you know have to make more challenging decisions.
1: Well, listen, this is a smart move for the Texans based on the fact that they don't have a general manager and the people that they have in place don't know how to make draft picks. So you might as well not even have draft picks at this point. My question is, how are you going to sell this job to a prospective GM? (laughs) It's like, hey, good luck coming in. You have no top 100 picks the next two years.
0: You have Deshaun Watson sitting in the interview?
1: (laughs) I guess. But, I mean, honestly, they traded their one this year. They traded their one and two next year, all for Tunsil. They just traded a three for Duke Johnson, Correct. Mm -hmm. and they traded a three for Gary and Conley you legit have a second round pick in the first two days of the next two NFL drafts right now
0: and it goes back to the conversations we had about the Rams last week in that like they're not they're they're stripping themselves of opportunities to replenish their roster because they're trading picks they're trading their picks away for players instead of paying the players that they pick it's, it's a dilemma. I, don't, I think it creates bad balance on your roster. Well, but, I mean, it, at the same it, time, and Gary Conley is a first-round pick. You gave up a three. To me, that's a net gain.
1: Yes. There's no question from that perspective it is. But when that's your entire philosophy for your entire roster and filling out your entire roster, it's a bad cash balance issue. And then you don't have the ammunition to – Repeat, and I think it rapidly accelerates the aging of your roster because if you don't have any picks, how are you going to plug holes two years from now? Yeah. Oh, that's right. You're going to sign guys who are 28 years old and you're going to pay them premium money and free agency.
0: The Raiders, I guess, are banking on Trayvon Mullen and then Isaiah Johnson, who's on IR designated for return as being their outside guys.
1: Was that the – who was the guy that – was Isaiah Johnson – the guy that we had trouble with at the fan rag offices two years ago
0: i don't no. that's uh that's not it it's a houston player um it's a houston yeah i uh i can't remember his name (laughs) he got drafted by the browns
1: that was one of the all-time great moments between the draft dudes was us on day three of the 2017 draft just delirious howard wilson howard wilson yes Yeah, and we couldn't even say Howard Wilson's name. We would
0: just laugh. Well, I guess I couldn't, um, but. Oh, okay. I was
1: looking at you when you were talking. Yeah,
0: shouldn't have done that. Okay, so we got off the rails there with the breaking news, but glad we got a chance to kind of react to that live for everyone. Um, what else here in the NFL? I mean, Jacoby Brissett goes out and throws four touchdowns. He leads the AFC in touchdown passes per game. Big win for them in that in the AFC North or South. Over Houston. Uh, Yeah, first place Indianapolis
1: Colts, Joe. And uh, Brissett looks like he's got a little bit of chemistry cooking with some of these receivers, which is fascinating, right? Because he he came in and and did the bullpen duty for Luck when Luck was hurt. And then Luck bounced back, had a huge year in 2018. They legit haven't skipped a beat because that's not true. Jacoby Brissett's a different kind of quarterback, different style of quarterback. Uh, I think he's a little bit more of a true within structure uh, versus some of, some of what Luck looked to do with big plays down the field. Uh, but I, I don't think we talked about this yesterday, you and I. I don't know if you could put the Colts inside the top eight quarterback needy teams in the NFL right now, and they just handed Andrew Luck retire.
0: I think they love. I think they love Brissett. Reich Reich, Reichs spoke glowingly about him after the game, and I mean Frank Reich just continues to overcome anything that comes his way, man, and just an unbelievable head coach. And looking at the defensive side of the ball, obviously Darius Leonard, big boost being back for this football team. The game sealing interception at the end was a beautiful play. Justin Houston now has uh, he had a multi sack game here. He had four quarterback hits. He's got three sacks the last two weeks. I mean, I know that Kamoko Ture was a disappointing loss for this team because he was really starting to come on early this year. But, you know, between you know, Ben Banigu, but really Justin Houston kind of coming into his own, it's, uh, this Colts defense has got some dudes, man. I, I, I'm really excited to see how this team continues to evolve throughout the course of the year because, I mean, I think they're one of the better teams in the AFC, even though they lost Andrew Luck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they were a team that I felt pretty strong with Andrew Luck would have been a Super Bowl contender this year. And and I don't think they're necessarily gonna be on that level, but I thought this team has, has the potential to win ten games. I said before the season with Brissett, seven to ten wins. And the way they're playing right now, the way the schedule's shaping up, bet on the high side of that. And and ten wins will in the AFC landscape this year, it'll get you in the playoffs. Because right now the seven Uh, seventh ranked team in the AFC is the Oakland Raiders at three and three who just got shellacked by a top end team trying to figure out who the Raiders are specifically like how good they but we enough about them that they just got embarrassed by one of the best teams in the NFL the Green Bay Packers
0: yeah you know it feels like things don't ever hold serve especially in week seven but you feel like you're going to have four division winners and then the Bills and Texans as your wild. Or Slash Bills and Colts. Colts, yeah, as your wild. I mean, I, I'd be really surprised if it wasn't those six teams and then flip flip around your division winners however you f- see fit.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, who's going to go on a run? The Jets aren't going on a run. The The Browns at 2-4 and four look very disheveled right now. They could feasibly go on a run. But you would at this point, based on the records of – let's say the Colts at four and two and the Bills at five and one, you would need a collapse from one of those teams for a team like Cleveland to climb back into this situation.
0: Right. Right. I guess people maybe think it could be the Bills, right? But I mean the, the Bills at five and one are in a very good position, even if they have a couple bumps along the way, considering the holes that the teams we're talking about are already in. So it, right. it's it's interesting. Uh, How about uh, Jim Nat or Matt Nagy came out and said uh, just a few hours ago, he said, I know we need to run the ball more. I'm not an idiot. Uh, Just hours after he lost the New Orleans Saints in a game where he ran the ball seven times and only five times with running backs for a total of 17 yards. Kyle, what's going on with the Bears, man?
1: A complete lack of balance offensively,
0: which anybody could
1: see. Here's the deal. Mitch Trubisky can't hit anything to the sidelines at all right now. You ask him to throw the ball 10 yards downfield, and the ball's coming out 17 yards uh, <laughs> of depth instead of 10 yards of depth. I I had no idea what Mitch is doing, but he cannot throw to the sidelines downfield to save his life right now. And that was a football game at halftime was 12 to 10, and you threw it 54 times. So I really don't have an explanation for what Chicago's doing, Mitch Trubisky, especially because part of what made Mitch so good last year was the extended plays and when he was asked to run the ball. And now we're just going to do drop back passing and a bunch of wide receiver and running back screens because uh, we're under duress from the Saints and, and throw the ball 54 times like that game was there for the taking until the third quarter when you guys got off the rails because you kept going three and out because you kept asking Mitch Trubisky to throw the ball. I don't know. (laughs) We figured there would be a little bit of regression with the bears, right? Like that much is not really that big of a surprise that the bears are in a regression period, but they look lost offensively. And that to me is a surprise because I didn't expect Trubisky to be this bad. Like, I don't know how you can't go into this offseason if you're Chicago without looking at a quarterback based on how Mitch Trubisky's played so far this year.
0: I'm trying to think, did did this defense last year come close to allowing 36 points? Um, I'm pulling up their schedule. Yeah, they gave
1: up 38 to the Dolphins, I think.
0: 31. <laughs> 31, <laughs> okay. yeah. So they, they gave up 31 to the Dolphins. They gave up 38 to New England. But, I mean, aside from that,
1: that was it. yeah. That was yeah. It. I think it was probably like 13 points per game the rest of the way.
0: Was that the Osweiler game? Yes.
1: Oh. Osweiler throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns in an overtime win against the best pass defense in the NFL.
0: And this was the Bears. It's funny, that was the Bears coming out of the bye after starting three and one. So you don't, yes. hey, listen, one thing we know, you don't want to catch the Miami Dolphins coming out of your bye week.
1: No, Tough man. Opponent. They'll, they'll play their ass off. I'll tell you.
0: Oh man! Uh, so we—I mean—we got to talk about the game, right? A little bit.
1: Yeah, let's let's shut shut it down with this. We'll we'll wrap with this for today. Yeah, that's good.
0: I guess I'm most interested in your emotions watching the game. I I, I we talked a little bit earlier uh, in the day just together on this, but like, I don't feel like the Bills could stop the Dolphins yesterday. I mean, Trey White made two game-changing plays, but otherwise. They ran the ball like they needed to. Fitz got the ball out, and it was a, it was, I guess, a very uncharacteristic performance for both teams and made for a, a tight game that I don't think um, it, you know, look, the Bills were favored to win by 17 points. It's a closer game than anyone thought.
1: And it should have been even closer than the ten point margin that it was. Should have been right. twenty-four to, to right. twenty-one.
0: Yeah, Micah uh, Hyde houses that at the end. It's a seven point swing, yeah.
1: So My emotions during the game was exactly what my emotions were during the Washington game in that Miami's playing with house money. If they win the game, cool. I can get fired up about Brian Flores putting together a winning game plan with Chad O'Shea and Patrick Graham, their offensive and defensive coordinators, when this is the talent that they're working with. Because Mm -hmm. from a talent perspective, they should not win any games this year. Right. They should. not But if if they're going to, Piece together uh, the needed ingredients, and I really appreciate. It. This is the first game. I really felt like we saw uh, the New England Patriot style defense from Brian, D. having it around the in, inside the box, and then they bring pressure. and Jerome Baker got a free run at Josh Allen on one of those, and forced a throwaway. And, and I'm, I'm encouraged by the increasing aggressiveness we've seen from the Dolphins, and I think as this season gets later and later, like they're going to pull more out because they have less to lose. Uh, Ultimately, I do think the the organization's objective and and what they would prefer to do is to not go out and win five football games this year, but I think it's very realistic that Miami, somewhere along the way, wins one or two games, and uh, for every game they lose based on their strength of schedule, their strength of schedule is like 460... Uh percent the Bengals are zero and seven a game worse and they're like five hundred and forty percent for their strength of schedule so, uh, the just the, the way that the, the draft order is playing out Miami's gonna continue to get more aggressive they ran the fake uh the fake field goal. Which mm-hmm. wasn't even really necessary, right? Like they're down on the, it's fourth and in inches. Mm-hmm. Right. And they elected to, to fake it on a, four, a fake field goal. And I think they're just, I think they're really just t- taking advantage of a low pressure situation now where evaluation year, let's put guys in positions, let's see who's capable of executing and doing what. And there's been some promising dividends. And the whole reason why the Dolphins made the change from Rosen to Fitzpatrick was because they wanted to evaluate the rest of the offense. And they sure as hell got to evaluate the Mark Waltons and the Devontae Parkers and the Preston Williamses and the interior offensive lines of the world versus what they would have been able to do if Josh Rosen was under center.
0: I think uh, one thing that makes this a little bit interesting for you probably in Dolphins fans is that I feel like we finally have a consolation prize, quote unquote, at quarterback. I think you can probably convince yourself that as long as you get Tua or Joe Burrow, you're happy. And that's different, right? When it was a Tua versus Justin Herbert conversation before Joe Burrow proved himself in this new LSU offense, you're like, oh, my God, Herbert's not a consolation prize to Tua.
1: And that, Joe, that's exactly what I wrote in my mock draft for today. It it is, there is a a QB1, QB2. Didn't Dane Brugler write something about this Mm -hmm. today? It It was QB1, Yep he was kind of gauging NFL executives and, and their sentiment is exactly what you just referenced. And it's exactly what I wrote in my mock draft for today. There is a, a clear pecking order and two guys atop the quarterback rankings charts that you could walk away with and feel really good about who you've got to come be your next quarterback in Tua and Burrow in whichever order you would prefer them. That's fine. I think Burrow's really going to have a chance to capitalize on how hot of a start he's had with his offseason circuit, you know, being eligible to play in the senior bowl, both of the teams, uh, the Bengals and the dolphins who may need a quarterback will be eligible to coach Mm -hmm. the senior bowl and be there to be hands on with him for a full week of game preparation and install and so on and so forth. Like Burroughs got a huge opportunity in front of him and uh, you're absolutely right where, If I walk away from the draft with either Burrow or Tua, I don't feel bad. But if I'm picking two and I decide, yeah, I mean, you tanked, you need to pick a quarterback, and you walk away with Herbert or two based on what Herbert's put on the field this year, I'm disappointed. But I'm not disappointed with Burrow or Tua at this point.
0: Well, I guess uh, the Miami Dolphins need to uh, be sending in letters to Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl, and say, hey, we're the team from the South. Joe Burroughs from LSU, he's on our roster, right? <laughs> yeah, of the course. <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, and and that that's a really interesting point, too, as far as, like, that's a, it's such a unique opportunity, and I would love to get the numbers on what being hands-on as a coaching staff in that game with those players, what extra percentage of time, hands-on time, you're able to get with draft yeah. prospects versus what everybody else does, when they're not coaching the game at the senior bowl.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we got a lot to talk. This senior bowl is going to be loaded with quarterbacks, right? We could get we get Herbert, we get Burrow, Hertz. I mean, yeah, Eason, come on now. This is uh this is going to be a great year for senior bowl quarterbacks. That's going to do it for us today here on the podcast. Thanks everyone for joining us. Thanks for everyone for being patient with, uh, with the audio today, um, we definitely wanted to get Kyle in here to talk about this weekend, and uh, and thanks for uh, for bearing with that. We'll be back again for you tomorrow. It's Takes on Takes Tuesday, our favorite segment of the week. All of our shows are our favorite, but that's I guess our most favorite. I don't know. Make sure you get our get your takes in. Uh, hashtag is Takes on Takes. Kyle's on Twitter at Grind me the tape. I'm on there at the Marino. We do kindly ask that you subscribe, share, rate, review the podcast. Those things are greatly greatly appreciated. Until tomorrow, thanks so much for listening.